I don't know about you guys, but the last couple weeks of this semester have been wrecking me, but in a good way. Yeah. So we've been diving deeper into what a deep actual relationship with the Lord is like yeah. and what prevents us from having that relationship. It's been really cool. So the overarching umbrella is basically selfishness, what keeps us away from the Lord. And everybody's kind of hit on that point pretty well. So with Chris, we learned our ability to surrender was directly proportional to how good and kind we see God is. Yeah. And it's selfish to choose to not surrender our life to the rightful ruler, right? Yeah. That was like, okay, sorry, God. We learned that vulnerability builds relationships. And if someone's knocking on that door, are you going to open it and share? Yeah, yeah. Or are you going to keep it closed? Mm. That was also really good for me, too. <laughs> and then from Andrew, we learned that we can give God our best. And all of us. Yeah. And instead of something that means less. So no, like, switchy switchies. <laughs> I'm not going to give him my money for my life, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you should give God your money, too. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, whatever's more supportive to you, you should give to the Lord. Yeah. And then last week with Ryan, we literally learned how to embrace social messiness. Yeah. That com- the social messiness that comes along with making new friends. Yeah. And friends that are not like you. Mm-hmm. Like, walking in relationship with those around you yeah. who love Jesus. And having that centered kind of outlook yeah i don't know all that hurts so good it was so great (laughs) so we're going to continue on that journey i'm just saying it wasn't for y'all it was for all of us it was for me personally it was really good so continuing on what ryan said how do we continue on that centered journey how do we move closer towards jesus how do we continue to not have selfishness what kind of selfishness am i going to talk about today i don't know so (laughs) i thought it would be cool The thing that I'm going to talk about today is not something that would be categorized in selfishness, Mm. but it can lead to selfishness um, in honor of Black History Month, because this is the last Thursday of Black History Month, and I am black. What? (laughs) No way. (laughs) What kind of rapper? Yes, I am actually black, despite what you think. I am black. I want to talk about injustice this week. So, I kind of want to talk about what the Lord says about injustice how we walk through injustice and how we do it rightly. So if you haven't heard about this thing before, I want to introduce you to something that helped me realize how to walk through this. It's called the Hurt Circle. So if you have heard it before, you might have heard it in the forgiveness side of things, but we we basically skip over the first thing, which is hurt. So I'll explain each thing. So hurt basically is any offense to you. Any inconvenience to you, if you fall and hurt yourself, there's like different levels. So if Gabriel's running outside, he trips on his bike or something, and he falls and hits his head, just like he kind of did in here. It's fine. (laughs) Anyways, he cries, he's sad, he has a memory. So that's one type of hurt. Same effect, same feelings. You're sad, you're crying, you don't feel good. So say he steps off of our stairs and he rolls down. He still gets hurt. (laughs) He's sad, he's crying, same kind of feeling. But that wasn't his fault. That was just a freak accident. But say he was hit by someone else. That was not his fault at all. And it was an injustice done to him. So that was something that was not supposed to happen. And someone did it out of not his best in mind. You know what I'm saying? So that's like hurt. Injustice is underneath that hurt bracket. But not all hurt is under the injustice bracket. So we're going to kind of like lay that out so that way when you're thinking about what injustices are done to you or your feelings just hurt, 
Or was it like actual injustice? Yeah, yeah. So, Gabriel, in his two-year-old brain, he still has the same response. Dissatisfaction, distress, cry, tears, like he's pained. So, when we get hurt, no matter what kind of hurt it is, we still have the same response. So, again, the realities are, is that despite of what the hurt is, not all of them are injustices. In our lives, sometimes the Lord gives us things, and he's saying, don't do that because I'm trying to protect you, and we don't listen, so we are careless, and we get hurt. That doesn't mean he did that to us. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it wasn't injustice. Yeah. So, some things are accidents, some things are not. Um, some things are legitimate offenses, like Cain and Abel in the Bible, jealousy, murder, theft, rape, like, that's real, yeah. you know? Yeah. The key in all of these things, these are all types of hurt, and if you don't, if you're not careful, you can jump on this little cycle, and that also leads to more hurt. So, that's the biggest thing. The next thing, so if you do jump on this cycle, bitterness. Bitterness is being hurt by something, but you don't forgive, and you're not willing to forgive. Yeah. Hebrews 12 says, let no root of bitterness come. See, it creeps in until it slowly destroys you. Bitterness is kind of like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. You're like, okay, I'm gonna, this is, this is poison and I want you to feel this. I want this to hurt you, but it doesn't hurt them and it ends up just hurting you. Yeah. So if we get hurt and we don't forgive, bitterness comes in. And after we're bitter, we start rebelling. And all that is is saying, I know better than you, and so I'm gonna do it my way. Hmm. But then in doing so, you kind of start imitating the person who offended you yeah. or hurt you. Because you're like, well, you did it that way, but I think my way is better. So let me kind of do that to you. And that leads to deception. Because you believe your way is right, even though it's not right. You believe they hurt you in this way, so I'm going to hurt them in that way. A hurt is still hurt. It's still wrong. So it's kind of like you become a hypocrite. And the thing, you start becoming the person that you didn't like in the first place. Yeah. You start doing the thing that hurt you in the first place that hurt your friend in the first place. Yeah. And the thing with, with this is you become a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. We've all been there. I've been there. It's fine. But being a hypocrite posts injustice. So the whole thing about injustice, it can start with just a simple hurt. Yeah. But then if you keep letting it go on and on and on, you begin to do the same thing to other people. Yeah. And then that in turn will make you the host of injustice when you start doing things that they don't deserve you know? Yeah. yeah. And people can do that to you too. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a lose lose situation because you might not even realize you're doing it. And it's, it's just really sad when you get to that point. So, real life example. Again, I'm black. So, I'm going to use an African American example or people of color to kind of go along with Black History Month. So, a couple years ago, not very long, Schools were segregated, restaurants were separated. Yeah. You have a restaurant for white people, you have a restaurant for black people. Sorry, I'm gonna use color terms a lot, so if you're not comfortable with it, I'm sorry. Anyways, <laughs> so you have restaurants for black people, you have restaurants for white people, you have schools for black people, schools for white people. Yeah. And so what happened was, the black people were just like, you don't have my best intention in mind. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get hurt about it, and I'm gonna hold on to that. And I'm going to say, I know better. I know how to treat myself better. I know how to treat my friends better. That leads to that rebellion. Yeah. And then the deception comes when you start having 
black-owned restaurants, black-owned hair products, black-owned aisles in Target. Like, we're doing the very thing that, yeah. mm. the, you know, we're doing the very thing that was sent to us that we did not like. Yeah. Mm. So, then that leads to deception. Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. You know am I right? Like, mm-hmm. we started doing this thing because it's like, no one cares for us, so we have to do it for ourselves. But, despite all that, it's pretty safe to say, no matter what history repeats itself, whatever, during out, throughout history, I think African Americans had a right to be offended. Yeah. Because there were real wrongs that were done. Yeah, yeah. There were real things, like lives were murdered for no reason. Yeah. And they have a right to be upset. Yeah. But, we didn't handle it right as a culture. We just did our own thing instead. So we created a circle that just keeps on going. So I had a friend, um, she's a cop in Austin, but as she was going through her um, schooling, her dad was a cop also. And it was right in the Black Lives Movement, all of that era. And so she like blonde, or she had red hair, freckles, like super bubbly. Her dad was super bubbly as well. There was an incident that happened with their police station, and a bunch of black people assumed like all cops hated them. So they went and started shooting up everything. And her dad's office was like lit up. It was unrecognizable because people thought, oh, this guy doesn't like, like he doesn't like who I am, so I'm gonna take it out on him. My family was hurt, so I'm gonna hurt them. Luckily, he was off that day and he didn't get hurt. But I'm saying, like, we as a people, not all of us, but some people didn't handle it properly. Even like, just last year, I was invited to a lunch for women of color. It was kind of silly, actually. It was was weird, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't wanna go, but I had to go. And so I went to this thing, and it was all women of color, brown women, even Asian women. Um, anyways, so we were in this separate room for this big conference, and one of my friends brought someone in with her, and she's like, can I go to lunch? Can I come in and eat with her? And someone at the door actually said, I'm sorry, she can't come in because she's not of color. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) nothing you say has weight right now, so I'm just not going to listen. I'm just going to wait until I get out of here. Like, it's not just history. This is still happening today. And our choices are still are making it to where, like, are we continuing this or are we stopping the injustice yeah. or are we just making another type of injustice? Wow, yeah. Yeah. So, again, hypocrisy hosts injustice. Yeah. We really do pray, like, Lord, take away this, this pain, take away this anger that people, that people have towards each other, like, take away this anxiety. Yeah. But these are just symptoms of the root, wow. and the root is the hurt yeah. that happened. And I'm not saying that the hurt, like, it's not wrong to feel hurt. I'm saying it's okay to feel hurt. Like, this happens in your families, too. Like, if you grow up with your dad being a certain way, you don't like him. And then you find yourself later in life, and you realize, oh, my gosh, I am my daddy's son. Like, (laughs) it really really does work that way. Like, Gabriel literally copies me, and I'm like, he'll say something, and I'm like, where did you hear that? But it's from me. So, like, despite of what we want, sometimes it just kind of comes in. But what does the Bible say about all of this? What does the Bible say about suffering? 
and when we suffer wrong. So when there's injustice, how do we handle it and how do we not become like the one who hurt us? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so you can open your Bibles if you have them to 1 Peter 2, and we're going to be in chapter, so chapter 2, verse 18 through 25. I'll give you a second. subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of the Lord. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered with you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in turn. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. So here Peter's writing to his servants and he's teaching them, be subject to all, not only the good and gentle, but be good to the people who are unjust and difficult to deal with. So there's nothing significant about doing the wrong thing and getting punished for it. You know, sometimes we deserve those. (laughs) But when we do the right thing and we get punished for it, that's not, like, the way you handle that, the way you take it, yeah. says everything yeah. about you and about who made you and about who you follow. If you take it patiently and have a gracious attitude, this is the thing that the Lord commends. This is the literal definition of being Christ-like. Yeah. Like, suffering, living like him, suffering like him, loving everyone, loving all people. Mm-hmm. God is desiring that sacrifice from us. Yeah. Um, as our ultimate redeemer, Jesus paid the price that we cannot pay. The weight of, he bore the weight of all of our sins, and he suffered when it was undeserving. He didn't need to. He didn't have to. But because he did, we now have access to be in relationship with the Father again. Yeah. So if he did it, and he's asking us to be like him, we must be willing to bear injustice from those around us, not just the people we know and love, because it's easy to take a, a hit from someone you love, but those who are harder to love, those you don't actually like, those who have actually done something wrong to you or to your friends. Mm -hmm. When we suffer wrongly, it hurts. It's humiliating. It's wrong. It's confusing. You're wondering, like, God, where were you? Like, he's literally still there. But it's the process. He wants to walk through that process with us. So another biblical example of this is Anisimus and He's in Philemon 1.8. You can read it at home. I wrote the verses down so that you can study it. But he was a servant of Philemon. And he ran away. He ran away far away from his master. He ran into Paul. And Paul just lived life with him in the jail. And he showed him what life with Christ was like. 
be converted to Christianity. And then Paul writes to Philemon, and he's saying, hey, I know Anisimus was useless to you at one point, but he's very useful now. And that's literally what his name means, useful of worth. And he's saying, maybe he stole something from you. Maybe he was not a good friend, not a good servant, but I'm asking you to welcome him back. Not only as a servant, a servant, but welcome him back as your brother. Which, if you're a slave, you don't, you're not doing that. Like, if someone stole something from your family, like they were in your private home in your private space, they come back with this like that's a death sentence. So Paul here is asking him, he has to forgive. So that's like, can you imagine that process? I would try to think about it myself. Like, if someone were in my small group and one day they came over to my house and my door was missing or something. And then they disappeared, and then, like, someone from Sam Houston or, te- or Texas Tech was like, hey, I ran into Sarah, like, uh, you should welcome her back, and don't just let her be in your small group, but let her be a small group leader. I'm like, wait, what? You just stole from me in the privacy of my home? Like, can I even trust you? Like, walking through that process is real. Like, okay, God, you're not asking just to bear with it, but you're asking me to treat them better than I was ever treated by them. Mm, and that's yeah. not easy. It's not like that's something hard to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. The whole point of that is like, doesn't matter the meanest circumstance of your life, the greatest wickedness of the former life. It doesn't matter with the Lord. He's just saying, if you're moving towards me, towards that center, yeah. I'm there. And I will be able to redeem you throughout whatever you've done. And so he's done that for us. So we can't expect him not to do that for those around us yeah. Yeah. while they're in the process. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, with Anisimus and Philemon, there had to be forgiveness on both ends. Why did he run? Maybe he couldn't trust him. Maybe he was framed. I don't know. Like, the things happen for a reason, but the Lord is saying, hey, would you trust me in the process? Would you trust me to make wrong, to make right those wrongs? Yeah. And they had to. Um, I don't know if they did, but Paul did ask if he would prepare a room so he can come check on the thing. So he, he did what he was supposed to do, too. Anyways... Now, if we want to get to the right view that the Lord has of people around us that we don't like or that have offended us, we have to ask him for a change of perspective. Yeah. Um, sometimes God allows us to be tried, and before you go on with your thoughts, no, he doesn't put you through things on purpose. He doesn't tell, take away someone in your family on purpose. He doesn't put you in an accident. He doesn't give you a bad boyfriend. He doesn't do any of those things. Yeah. The thing is, I just don't want you guys to come home, take away, like, yeah. oh, God did this to me. He did not. He yeah. allows things to happen. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, we really do have an enemy that's ready to still kill and destroy yeah. us. And the way that he gets to the Lord is through us. He hurts the thing that the Lord loves the most, which is you and me. And so one way to get in the middle of that is to pin us against each other. So when we don't love each other, we don't have fellowship, we don't have community, we don't actually see an accurate picture of the Father. Yeah. Because we need each other to do that. But the Lord, he takes those attempts and he breathes new life into them. He makes them work out for his good and our good. Yeah. They bring us closer to him if we keep sober minds about it. Like if we constantly move towards him, then he's going to say like, do you see me in this? Mm-hmm. Have you seen me in that? Can you imagine your life without this friend that you trusted me with? Can you imagine your life without this person who hurt you? Do you remember I redeemed them and brought them back to you? And even Paul was telling Philemon, like, maybe the Lord took him to me, brought him to me 
so that you guys can be together forever. Do you realize that? Yeah. Like, can you imagine like someone who really yeah. did hurt you or your friend, wow. and then they go away, and you come back, and it's like, wait, you were literally like, not cool. Yeah. <laughs> how am I supposed to, like, how am I supposed to live life with you? But if we really did love the Lord, wouldn't we want to see everyone in his presence at the end of all things? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't we want everyone reconciled, or do we want people who look like us reconciled? So, when Jesus suffered, he didn't try to find the quickest way out of the pain, or he didn't ask to be delivered from it. Instead, he asked, how can I glorify God in this? He asked, how is God moving in this, despite of what I feel, despite of what I see? How is he working to transform all those wrongs, all those accidents, all those injustices? And the Lord is saying, let me walk with you in it. He didn't say he would deliver us from everything, but he did say he would be with us always. Yeah. Yeah. And if we were following his example, are we actually utilizing the ability to have our perspective on suffering grounded in God? So are we utilizing those suffering moments to pull ourselves closer to the Lord? Are we able to see him in a facet that we would not have been able to see him in if we weren't struggling? And will we choose to glorify God? Andrew Murray says this, but he who lives in the visible wants his honor to be vindicated at once here below. He who lives in the eternal and as seen in the invisible is satisfied to leave the vindication of his rights and honor in God's hands. He knows that they are safe with him. It was thus with the Lord Jesus. Peter writes, he committed himself to him that judges rightly. Yeah. So God is saying, seek him first and his kingdom first, and everything else will be taken care of. I believe this is how we get that peace that's like, the peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, people say that's like, God will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm like, no, I need like facts. Like, give me the hardcore facts. Tell me how to not feel angry about this. Yeah, or yeah. How do I not feel angry about this? Like, Help me, God. And he's saying, if you just seek him first, yeah. he will reveal himself to you. And if you have a right standing of the Lord, right understanding of him, mm-hmm. you will understand that forgiveness is actually a miracle. And we get to walk through that process with the Lord of him healing us yeah. of that hurt. So despite our circumstances, the Lord is saying, I see you. I saw what they did and it wasn't okay. But let me take care of it. Yeah. Because he's the only one unbiased enough to actually handle it rightly. He's the only one that's like, I'm going to love them more than you can right now. And because I'm doing that, you're going to see them again in the right way. I feel like sometimes we take things in our own hands, but it ends up destroying relationships. Have you ever tried to fix a broken relationship and you're like, man, I really messed that up this time. Like... One time I, I had this friend that was lying to me so much, and I was like, all right, God, you're going to have to help me deal with this, or else I can't, because it was just too much. Like, she, it was very manipulative, like, the relationship, and the Lord gave me a dream, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I just, like, wrote it all down, and then I texted her. I was like, hey, let's meet, like, right now. <laughs> like, it was first thing in the morning. So we sat outside the library, and this is, I mean... We're going to give each other room to be bad friends, okay? But it was a learning lesson for me. 
But I just sat there and I didn't look at her. I didn't care about her emotions. I just knew like, oh, you are doing that. And so I was like, let me read this to you. And I read every part of the dream to, to her. She started weeping. And I said, is any of this true? And I like literally emotionless, it was, it was pretty bad. Anyway, so she looks up and she's like, yes, it's all true. And so we prayed, there was redemption. So I thought, or it was just her masking to get away from the situation. Even though all of it was true, I won the argument, but I lost the relationship. So we need to let the Lord handle those things. All right. If the goal is reconciliation to the Father, can we actually consider letting him handle how to deal with our injustices? We need to give our right and honor to God for safekeeping because he will take better care of it than we can. Can we consider committing every offense and injustice done to us and to our friends to the one who judges rightly? Can we trust that God has our best intentions at hand and that he will care for us better than anyone else could? I want to say I want to, and yes, I want to, but I need more. (laughs) And so I don't know the how, right? So the Lord is giving us a new how, and he's saying is to suffer, to suffer with love. Again, he says to seek the Lord with all your heart, and he will give you the grace needed to love well. He will give you the grace needed to do those hard things, to forgive and to love those who are unlovable. C.S. Lewis says, love is unselfishly choosing for another's highest good. Not our good, but someone else's. Mary says, love alone gives the true victory over an enemy by converting him into a friend. I'm going to say that one again because it's so great, and I love Andrew Murray. Love alone gives the true victory over an enemy by converting him to a friend. That is hard for me to swallow. Um, If you ever had anything done to you that's, like, greater than a small offense, like, how can you imagine someone doing something so terrible or hurting a family member and saying, so I'm going to love you till you're my friend? But again, with the Lord, he gets to do that with you, and he will give you a supernatural ability to love them. So if we know the principle of this, we know that God's kingdom is founded on righteousness and justice. It doesn't say it's founded on love, but it's founded on righteousness and justice. We know he's going to take care of it. Mm -hmm. But how do we believe it? I know that the Lord will avenge me, but where's the proof of that? There is a verse, or a couple verses, in Matthew. Um, And it talks about judgment. It talks about the Lord at the end of things, like he's giving everyone a chance. But there still are people who choose not to follow him. And that's okay. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is just to love. But the parable of the weeds, Jesus told them another parable, says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed a good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came in to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then are the where didn't the, the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. 
Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat to bring to my barn. So the point of that section is the Lord knows what's happening. Again, he sees you. He sees what they've done to you. He sees what they've done to your family and your friends. But he's saying, just trust me. Give them time to find me. And if they choose not to find me in the end, I will take care of it. He will be, he will be the right judge. But his kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Yeah. Your kindness to other people is intended to lead them to repentance. Yeah. If we're not kind, we're giving them no reason That's to good. follow the Lord. Wow. If we're the only picture of the Lord that they have. Yeah, yeah. Romans 2 says, God will repay each person for what they have done, good and bad. At the end of all things, we will be before the Lord, and he will reveal and judge our secret things. He is a just judge who stands at the end of all things, and he will have the final word even if you don't see your justice on this side of the earth. Yeah. And again, his kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Good. Not just them, but us. What does that mean? I'll start small and I'll get bigger. Yeah. So I'm super technical and yeah. my husband's not. So <laughs> if we get in an argument, I'm just like, boom, 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 boom. Got and he's like, let's hug. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm mad at this and this and this. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I do that? Did I make you feel that way? It literally kills. It's like no fun, right? It's like literally no fun. It just ends the argument. It kills everything. It's just, it kills the momentum. It kills all the like, the row of things you have ready to go. Like shotgun, like my gun is loaded with boom, boom, boom. And he's like, I just, I'll take it all. It's so crazy. But can you imagine though? This is like a small scale. Can you imagine if we did that on a grander scale for people? Like, oh, yeah. like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just small offenses, but like, what if your child or your parents or like your aunt, uncle, whatever, were killed in an accident or someone like beat them brutally? Like, yeah. are you still going to be like, I'll take it so that you can see the Lord someday? Oh. In our worldly nature, we put more faith in our will to have people see the wrong they did. We do it through our might, and we determine to prove someone wrong. Yeah. Wow. We seek to find our calling in our own strength, and any offenses or unfair wrongdoings comes in, our pride begins to scream. But the Lord wants to use those circumstances to help refine our calling. When we surrender our dreams and hopes fully to Him, He will give them back. Yeah. He will give them back better. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to trust him. Yes. And the thing is, we don't really arrive like, okay, he's called me to this. It's not a straight line. It's us being obedient to the little things. And sometimes the devil tries to knock us off, and the Lord's like, I'll use that. And he knocks us this way, and he's like, well, I'll use that too. And we just have to trust that he's actually working in our lives. We have to ask, yeah. like, where are you moving, Father? Like, can you help me? He said that he will reveal himself to those who earnestly and genuinely seek him. So if we want to be like Jesus, if that's the goal, to be Christ-like followers, we kind of have to die to the fact that vengeance is not ours to give. Hmm. Do we really love the Lord? Do we really want everyone to spend eternity with the Father? Hmm. Like, yeah. do we really want that? Huh. Looking at more scripture, because I love scripture, yeah. Romans 12 is love in action. 
Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Continue to the needs of the saints who seek and show hospitality. Blessed are those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That means be considerate of others' emotions and don't wait for them to make the first move. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, because sometimes it's not possible. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head, which is like a burning conviction. Kind of like if I'm arguing with Jonathan and he loves me really well, it just makes me convicted. And that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Do not be cover, overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We destroy our enemy by making them our friend. So, can our new perspective be to love someone as they persecute us, as we get offended? And it doesn't have to be like a big offense. It could be something small. It could be someone who knows the Lord because we all have shortcomings yeah. like in the process. Can we choose to love them? Can we try strive to forgive and have constant love even though we're hurting? Yeah. I want to just show you a couple examples as we close. Um, first example, um, I have a friend. He... He could have been mad at these people. They made him a meal. The food was very bad, like (laughs) sour. And he didn't blame them for what happened to him, but he could have. He ended up throwing it up like a million times a couple weeks ago. But I do remember his prayer. Yes, Danny, I'm talking about you. I do remember his prayer was, Lord, I don't feel good. So can you help me stop feeling bad in the least painful way possible? And the Lord's like, I got you for throw up later. <laughs> but you have the choice to be mad at someone. You could have been mad at the girl who made your sandwich, but you're not mad at her. You choose to love her or uh, show love to her. Yes. I guess. I don't know. You're not. <laughs> a dude. Okay, the guy. Whatever. I don't know. I wasn't there. Anyways, you probably still will go to Subway one day. Maybe not anytime soon, but you probably will. I'm sorry. I just had to get that in there. I just really. That was a moment for all of us. It was yeah. the best. Okay. The best. <laughs> going, going a little deeper. <laughs> On a more serious note, I had this friend, and they had an offender. Um, they did some pretty bad things to them, and to me, they were unforgivable, and they got in trouble for it, and they were put away for it, and I'm like, okay, they got what they deserved. Just keep them far away as possible. And you know... But the person that was hurt, they came to me and they said, can you pray with me? I want to pray that the Lord will meet them where they're at because I don't want them to stay where they're at. I want them to find Jesus. 
That was hard. Yeah. That was so hard. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Are we willing to do that for those who hurt us and those around us? Yeah. It was hard for me to pray that. But Jesus did that for us. He didn't have to. Let's go a little bit deeper. If you've never heard of Elizabeth Elliot, she was an incredible woman yeah. of God. Man. Just gave her life to serving the Lord. She moved to Ecuador to be a missionary to an unreached people group. And they just dedicated their lives to knowing the language, serving the people, giving them gifts daily, like getting on a plane and dropping gifts from parachute to these tribes. And her husband, Jim, was like, it's my calling to just reach these people and show them and give them the ability to know the Lord that I know and love. That changed yeah. my life. Yeah. So five of them got on a plane. They made a, a runway path and they landed in these people, in this people group. Alcas. So they brought gifts. They brought themselves, willing to stay with them until they made that connection. And this was not the first tribe they had been to. It was like a process that they were going and going. But this one tribe was the one that was feared from everyone because they killed. And when they were threatened, they felt threatened they would kill. Yeah. And people thought they were cannibals, but they weren't. So Jim was like, all right, they need Jesus more than any of these people here. So they got on the plane. They landed. And the people killed them instantly. They speared them to death while their wives were on the other side of the tribe, their bodies were floating down the river. If that happened to me, I don't know if I would be able to stay there. Um, most of them left, most of the wives left, but Elizabeth asked the Lord, and she was like, my husband was obedient, so I must be obedient. I was a missionary before I was married, and I still will be a missionary now, because they need more love than anyone else. They need Jesus more than anyone else yeah. because they have to be redeemed. They, they have a choice to be redeemed. So she went back to those people and worked her way in, served them, loved them yeah. on her own. Yeah. Just like she, she didn't even mention Jesus for a hot minute because she didn't know the language. Yeah. So she had to learn everything. It took her a couple of years. Yeah. And finally, they started loving Jesus. They started loving the God that she loved. She ministered to the men who actually killed her husband and brought them to the Lord. Like, I, that is like, that is, and I don't know, that's a miracle to me. Like, yeah. how do you physically do that without the Lord helping you? Yeah. Yeah. And they would say, we rest on thee, our shield and defender. We go not along. We go not alone. In thy strength we rest, and on thee and in thy name we go. Obedience is the key. Yeah. To them, the God that made them actually cared about them, and he was worth trusting. Yeah. So the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. I have set my face like a flint, and I shall not be ashamed. That was their prayer. No matter what happens, I will not be ashamed of the Lord. I will be obedient even unto death. Yeah. In our own strength, this is impossible. We have, to be with, we have to be in communion with the Lord 
for him with nothing is impossible. So if we have him in our hearts, it's going to be easy to love those who are unlovable. We must daily surrender our need to vindicate ourselves and for the wrongs and offenses done to us. This is the sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. Though Through it, you'll find joy, and you'll be closer to the Lord, closer to your family, closer to your friends, closer to those you will call your enemy. And I believe this is truly the kingdom of God, to unselfishly love for another's highest good. Yeah. So, Ashanti comes back up. Um, my question, and the Lord's question to all of us, will we die to the right to see our injustices vindicated our way? If we're prideful, we'll be humbled. You know that verse was like, the prideful will be knocked down. But then later on the Lord says, those who love me, those who seek me, and they will diligently find me. Yeah. Riches and honor with, are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. I will cause those who love me to inherit wealth. So you're like, wait, you say don't love money, but then you're going to give me riches? And the thing he's saying, don't be prideful. Just seek me. Seek me first, yeah. and all these things will be added to you. Yeah. I will give you the honor that you deserve. I will give you the glory that you deserve. I will give you the riches that you need, not just money, yeah. the relationships, the riches of knowing that you're working with God and partnering with him in his kingdom. When we seek him, we, we can know and learn that he will handle it the best because He's capable, the most qualified to handle it. He's the only one who's unbiased, the only one that's pure, the only one who's holy enough, the only one that's righteous enough. So despite the hurt that was done to us, we were responsible for how we respond. And the Lord is just asking us to choose to love. So again, forgiveness is a miracle, and we get to walk through the process with him. We get to learn how to love the unlovable through his grace. So for the altar, it's not going to be the typical, like, okay, yeah, I come surrender for the song, and then I'll go back to my seat. That's not what I want us to do today. I want us to, to just really seek the Lord. He says, if you love me and seek me diligently, you will find me. So this whole space is open. Even that back corner over there is open. If you want to get alone, I, I think it will be really good for us just to seek the Lord individually. Yeah. Um, and if you get up, it doesn't mean you need to forgive. If you get up, it doesn't mean that there's wrongs with you. Like, that's not the point here. The point is to diligently seek the Lord. Yeah. If we diligently seek Him, we'll find Him. Yeah. If we find Him, everything else will be set in place. So I'm going to pray, and then you guys can just move around and we're spending some time with the Lord. Father, Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you're here with us. Lord, you were there in our best moments. Lord, you were there in our worst moments. You were there when we've done wrong to others, and you were there when others done wrong to us. So, Father, I'm just asking that you would meet us where we're at tonight, Lord. Would you see, would you help us to find you, Lord? Would you reveal your heart to us, God? Would you reveal your spirit to us, Lord? Would you speak to us, Father? Show us how to love those you love. Show us how to love them well, Lord. Yes. In your precious name.